0: a podcast that features conversations with some of the world's most powerful women. The National Defense Strategy really focuses us on near-peer competitors. The U.S. government, in fact, increased its contribution to WFP in order to assist. Everything that we do in space, a lot of it can be applied to our life on Earth. We feature women who are breaking barriers and shaping the future of foreign policy, national security, international business, and development. I'm Beverly Kirk, the director of the Smart Women, Smart Power Initiative at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington. Jean Case began her career working in government and then moved to the private sector. Taking a risk and leaving traditional business to work at a startup would completely change her career path and the way most of us communicate with each other. While Jean Case did not invent the Internet, she certainly made it available to the masses through her work as a senior executive at AOL. At its peak, AOL carried half the Internet traffic in the United States. She co-founded the Case Foundation with her husband Steve to invest in people and ideas that can change the world. She is the first woman to be chairman of the National Geographic Society, and now she has written a book called Be Fearless, which outlines how each of us can change the world. Jean Case, welcome back to Smart Women, Smart Power. You were here before talking about social entrepreneurship. A thrill to have you back to talk about your new book, Be Fearless.
1: Wonderful to be with you. Thanks for having me
0: you call this book a call to action for those who want to live extraordinary lives.
1: What made you want to write Be Fearless? Sure. Well, I must tell you, my work has taken me to communities across America and around the world. And one thing I see everywhere I go is people have great ideas about how to make a better world and possibly their role in making a better world. But, you know, too often they're gripped with fear or concern that they can't be the one. Okay. They think it has to be some special genius or connections or wealth or whatever. So at the Case Foundation, which I run, my husband and I co-founded in 1997, um, we undertook some research to look at the core qualities of change makers and entrepreneurs and innovators that have broken through. And what we found really debunked this idea that it has to be some superhuman quality. It really is just five principles that are present wherever transformational breakthroughs take place. So the principles framed the book, but I use storytelling to try to really bring them to life,
0: and you start with your own. Coming, I do. coming from Normal, Illinois, and then going to Florida. <laughs> Good <old> normal, yeah. <laughs> normal, Illinois, and then moving to Florida, and then working for a congressman from Florida brought right. you to Washington. Yes, and then you worked in the private sector. I did traditional private sector, and then you took a different path and uh, made a big bet of your own, which is the first principle in in Be Fearless It's make a big
1: bet. That's right. That's right. And I must tell you, it's an even more circuitous role than or path than you just described. Because after working for the congressman, I actually came to Washington working for President Reagan. And it was really a failure moment that took me out of that role. The funding for my position was delayed. I had been working in the position, and they had had trouble getting renewed funding for it. So they said can you just go chill for a couple of months and we'll we'll get this fixed and you'll come right back and I'm like chill I have rent to pay and a car payment I can't go chill I need another job and so I did take a temporary assignment in the technology field with what was to be the first online service in the United States It's called The Source right? The Source and it was right in a suburb of D.C. here and it was a very exciting time and I think once I landed there I really thought to myself you know my sort of true north from the time I was very young, was this desire to spend my time empowering others. And I could see the promise of online and internet services really being an empowering tool for people and leveling the playing field somewhat. You know, I had grown up as the youngest of four kids being raised by a single mom, and she spent months paying for an encyclopedia set, a hard copy encyclopedia Mm -hmm. set, which people probably don't even remember today. So when I went to the source and saw there was an online encyclopedia, I realized how freeing and how empowering that could be for so many people around the world.
0: And just so that people are up to speed, you were there at the beginning of AOL, America Online, uh, which was, if not the first major internet service company, it was one of the first.
1: Yes, it was the first internet company to go public. And at one time at our peak, we carried 50% of the nation's internet traffic. But after um, I left the source, I'd gone to GE and was then recruited by the startup that was going to become AOL. And that was an important pivotal moment, and many women out there I think face moments like this, I was in a very secure role at I was on a good career trajectory, had been tapped for their management training, et cetera. Um, and the startup calls, right? And it's like, oh my gosh, And people around me thought I was crazy to even think about leaving the security company (laughs) Yes, exactly. with a huge
0: track record behind it. Yes,
1: and I won't lie. I had my moments where I doubted myself. But it goes back to that sort of true north I knew I had, which was I really wanted to do all I could to empower others. And this big company was not willing to take risks that you need to take when you're building a new market. And this startup was. So I jumped and I never looked back. And talk more about making
0: that big bet, because that's the very first chapter of the book. And right out of the gate, it
1: says, start where you are. Start right where you are. So the first principle is make a big bet. And the idea there is a really big idea. Don't settle for incremental change. Now, you may take incremental steps to reach your big bet, but what you're aiming for is a really big idea. And we just see that's present wherever transformational change has taken place. Mm
0: -hmm. Also, be audacious and burst through assumptions that people make. Right. That's also in that first chapter. Right.
1: Well, I think, you know, there's always going to be, we might call them haters now, but (laughs) haters going to hate, right? There's always going to be people. Always going to be haters (laughs) hating. Exactly. And they're going to doubt you or they'll make you, you know, potentially feel insecure. And I think, you know, push past the assumptions others have of you. I have, I mean, you know, coming from a single mom household, not graduating from college, often being the only woman in the room and almost always in those early days in the boardroom you just have to push past the assumptions others might have of you or the biases that they might bring, and almost let it be, you know, an inspiration for you to prove that the assumptions they may have. I think you write in the book, Watch Me. Yes, that's exactly (laughs) right. That's exactly right. Sometimes, you know, if we adopt that kind of an attitude, it can push us a little further. And you Mm -hmm. know, the last principle in the book, not that these really go in any particular order, is let urgency conquer fear. Uh And on this point about, you know, bursting through assumptions that others may have of you. You know, sometimes it's the urgency we feel of the moment, the opportunity that's in front of us or the challenge that's in front of us that help us dig deep and push past some of the fears or failures that we might have known in our past.
0: And failure, since we're not going to go in order, failure is one of the chapters or it's talked about a lot in this book. And you say, make failure matter. And you talk about in your own work, how you tell people when they see you come and speak and they see this beautifully turned out, wonderfully successful woman,
1: and then you start talking about the things that haven't gone the way you wanted them to go. How failure actually played a role in every great opportunity I had. And I just talked about you know that Reagan appointment that I Mm -hmm. had, and then when that was ending, I thought disaster was striking, but it set me up for an entire career in technology. But yes, I do have a failure resume that I share with others, but one of my favorite chapters under the failure principle is fail in the footsteps of giants. And I like to talk about Oprah you know, who was an early co-host on a news program and fired and told she just wasn't right for Mm -hmm. television, or J.K. Rowling, the famous author of Harry Potter, um, who was a single mom on welfare when she was writing it, rejected by 12 publishers before it was picked up. So sometimes I think we know the success stories, but we don't know the failure path that led to the success. And hopefully that will inspire people if they hit bumps in the road to say something greater is ahead instead of getting you know just staying in that hole and being fearful of what the failure means
0: and this is also important for companies um you encourage people to embrace risk as research and development
1: absolutely and not just companies even individuals can embrace more of an R&D idea as they're trying to take their idea forward. You know, what do we see in R&D? We accept it in medicine and science. Mm-hmm. It's trial and error. But too often we forget about the importance of that error in teaching us how to course correct and make our idea even better or stronger down the road. You also note in terms of taking risks, you might regret it if you don't. That's right. The risk of not taking the risk. And, you know, I also talk about in those days in AOL, when we were kind of a rocket ship, I was trying to recruit top talent and they were all in great jobs, um, I would say good secure jobs, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I would talk to them about this rocket ship we had, and they were unwilling to leave a good thing for a great thing. Time after time, those people came back to me and talked about the regret they had of not taking the risk. And, you know, we often make a list of what's the downside of the risk, but we don't make a list of what's the risk of not taking this risk. What will I regret down the road or what will it bring?
0: because so often, as you say, it's a great opportunity. You're leaving the secure unknown for something that will be great and even more secure later, even though you may not be able to see that right
1: up front. Right, and I like to say nothing great comes from the comfort zone. Unfortunately, that's just the truth in life. We have to get a little uncomfortable, take some risks, be willing to risk failure to do great things. How do you get comfortable with that idea of, so, of risking the failure? Well, one of my answers to that is to just hold up these amazing inspirational stories of people who have overcome failure. But, you know, one of the things that we really i worked hard to point out in the book is that it is ordinary people who do extraordinary things. And my hope is that. Every reader will see something of himself or herself in the stories I've chosen for the book. You know, there are geographies all over the world. they are every sector. There are young people, including a 14-year-old who started a remarkable program in Wisconsin to safeguard prescription drugs, a young woman at 14. And today she's taken 1.5 million pounds of prescription drugs Off our streets, Um, anybody can do remarkable things.
0: You also tell the story of one of the lost boys of Sudan, yes, uh, who struggle and a conflict in his homeland, and literally walked
1: to another
0: country refugee
1: camp. Yes, he did, and um, of course he eventually Salvadut is his name. Mm -hmm. He eventually made his way to America, and uh, but he learned that back in Africa, his father was dying, and it was contaminated water that really created his father's illness. So he made a commitment to start an organization to put clean water access around Africa by digging wells. And to date, he's done hundreds and hundreds around Africa. But when he came to the United States, he didn't even know what a light switch was. He didn't have the language skills. He didn't have really anything working for him in terms of resources. And yet he went on to build this extraordinary organization. I want
0: to continue talking about your book and the recommendations or the principles, as you call them, still in the area of failure, because I think everyone sees Richard Branson as this great, successful <laughs> the iconic. guy. Yes, um, You know, his, his Virgin Atlantic uh, logo is practically everywhere. Yes, it is. Everybody knows it. Um, but
1: you write about his failures. Richard's had a lot more failures than he's had success, and he would be the first to tell you that. He he is truly an iconic, fearless leader. You know, he started something called Virgin Cola, thinking he was going to take on Coca-Cola. His first airplane, a bird flew into its engine and, you know, destroyed it. So, I mean, time after time he would go out there with these new attempts and they didn't work, but eventually enough did that he's built a world-renowned company and brand that I think we all celebrate today. What are some of the blind spots
0: that we may have in terms of when we're thinking about taking a risk because you also caution in the book, you know, weigh the different factors before you just
1: take a risk. I think you write, um, don't go blindly jumping off a cliff. That's right. That's right. There is a difference between measured and reckless risk. And a lot of the risk that I'm talking about in the book is more measured. It really runs the gamut. I think there are some people who've taken extraordinary risks that I talk about, but it doesn't take that to do something great. And what I say to women particularly is, you know, if, In your career trajectory, if you can have a personal board, a group of people that you can tap, so as you're looking at taking a risk or making a move or some big change in your life, you have people you trust That you can run it by and listen to them. But I do want to remind, you know, your listeners, some of the people I was turning to when I was making that big leap over to AOL said, don't do it. So it is hard at times to know what voices to listen to and what voices you might need to tune out. How did you, when there
0: were people telling you not Mm -hmm. to take that leap or leap of faith, how did you filter out? The doubt
1: that that might have created. Yeah, well, I really do think it goes back to what I said earlier, which is I had a really strong sense of my true north. I knew I wanted to spend my career and my time and my resources trying to build a better world by empowering others. And I saw a better opportunity to Mm -hmm. do that at AOL than I believed mm-hmm. I could make uh, at GE. And so I would say to women, know your own true north. What really matters to you that will be constant in your life as you face different decisions? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be a guide.
0: Also in this chapter where you talk about eliminating blind spot and uh, building yeah. unlikely partnerships, I think that's a little bit of yes. what you were alluding to about the, the kitchen cabinet. Talk about how you build these unlikely partnerships sure. and
1: getting outside your 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 bubble. 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 Yes, we call that principle reach beyond your bubble. And the idea is, like it or not, we all have blind spots. Uh, we all have biases that we may not even be aware we have. So by bringing together diverse teams, people with different backgrounds, different perspectives, we're able to cover each other's blind spots mm-hmm. and maybe widen the vision of what's out there because we see it differently if we come around a table as t- with different perspectives. It's actually one of the really surprising things we learned out of the principles was that this is present wherever transformational change has taken place. Often a movement might start with people closer to the circle but most have broken through have built unlikely partnerships and really built a diverse team. And I also point out in the book, the overwhelming data today that shows, particularly in companies, but in organizations across the board, diverse teams outperform teams that are not diverse. And that's great news for all of us. This is not just a social justice issue. This is good business, smart practice to have diverse teams. You also say, be a
0: first responder. What does that mean? And I think that that may be, as here on Smart Women, Smart Power, we talk about a lot of national security and foreign policy issues. Right. Um, Being a first responder, you specifically talk about Jose Andres. Yes,
1: and I'm just fresh back. Last night from Puerto Rico, where I spent a few days with Jose Andres on the ground in his nonprofit World Central Kitchen. Many people know he served almost four million meals following Hurricane Maria. He was the emergency food response on the island. He set up an incredible network. But what he's doing now is in some ways even more powerful and will really lead to the security of Puerto Rico. He's working with the food sector, whether it be chefs, farmers, fishermen, food trucks to basically build resiliency and sustainability into some of the practices that they have to ensure that when the next disaster comes along, they'll be in a better position to feed the people of the island. And it had to be a
0: risk for him because he has so many successful restaurants. Oh, to, yes. To, I, I won't say that he
1: dropped everything. Well, and he, went, did drop everything. He, he, he did drop everything. He did urgency conquer fair and he just went there. Yeah. He really didn't have the resources and didn't all. have the infrastructure to he even just, think about doing that. All he thought was there are people who are hungry and I need to feed them. I'm a chef. I can do that. That's correct. And he had a wonderful network of chefs and businesses and all kinds of things that came together that he still taps on the front of many natural disasters around the world. And you know, the most amazing thing about the Puerto Rico story is he's not Puerto Rican. He's from Spain. So this was an American citizen who went there really, you know, neighbor helping neighbor Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of one American helping others in need.
0: And that brings me to the next point you make in that chapter. Don't overthink or overanalyze just Yeah.
1: Dude. Boy, and is this ever a special message for women. Because I think women really have a more of a knack or desire for perfectionism than I think has been observed in men, you know, just generally mm-hmm. speaking. And there is this idea that if we overthink it, if we sit and there's science that I point out in the mm-hmm. book, uh, science of the brain, if we sit with a decision too long, we can become frozen. And, um, you know, I talk about this woman who wrote this book, uh, we're basically count down from five and make a decision. Now, obviously, some decisions have to be more carefully considered than <laughs> five, four, three, two, one. Mm -hmm. But the idea is you really can get caught up in analysis paralysis and for women to just get out there and get started. And if you know your true north mentioned earlier. Yes. That makes making the decision a bit
0: easier, I would think.
1: Yes. And, you know, also, I just want to say Albert Einstein, I put it in the book, has a famous quote that failure is success and progress. And if we can embrace the idea that when we're failing, it really can potentially lead to much greater success down the line. I think it'll just help us overcome those moments when we trip up along the way.
0: Keeping up with the conversation about things that we can think of, globally yes. <laughs> and how to use these principles to address some of the major problems sure. uh, around the globe. You mentioned that PEPFAR, the program in Africa started by former President Bush yes. uh, to address the HIV AIDS crisis right. there, is an example of a kind of fearless decision. Of-
1: That's right. People might not remember, but you know, at that time, there were tens of millions of people right. infected with HIV uh, in Africa. And I had the opportunity to work with President Bush as he called together what I consider to be one of the most diverse tables I've ever sat at. People on really opposite ends of the issue around <laughs> HIV and some of both the you know the uh, therapies and practices that could get us out of the mess. So um, we had people from AIDS relief organizations. We had the Catholic Church who didn't believe in condoms, right? right? We had the private sector CEO of Eli Lilly at the time. But really, it ran the full gamut of opinions and perspectives. But it was really that group that came together and found a way forward despite their differences that enabled what I call sort of political air cover for President Bush to get PEP far past. And of course, the story now is tens of millions of lives have been saved as a result of it. And as we
0: wrap up here, what is your best advice for someone maybe hasn't read the book yet and is hearing about it on this podcast for the first time? What's your best advice for taking that first step in terms of being fearless. And I'm specifically thinking of a story at the beginning of your book where you were at this uh, retreat and you were asked to walk across a very small pole 30 feet in the air. Correct,
1: Uh, a telephone pole laid on its side 30 feet in the air to walk across it. I, of course, was belayed. Um, The woman from the ground, I said, I really don't think I could do this. I'd been a little frozen at the top of the pole before I had to walk across it. And she looked up at me and she said, but you can try. I wrote this book as a playbook for anybody who wants to try. There are inspirational stories to keep you going and a clear roadmap for how you can start with the big idea and take steps every day to get toward it.
0: Well, Jean Case, it's a great book. I really enjoyed reading it. Thank you so much for coming and sharing with us here at Smart Women, Smart Power. Thanks, Beverly. It's been great to be with you. Subscribe to the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to good content. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Smart Women, and I'm at Beverly Kirk. Thanks for listening. See you next time.